0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. This season is all about intentional comfort, and we'll be taking a look at the crossroads of the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more comfort and joy to your everyday. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 313 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I'm really excited to have a conversation with Scott Leftwich, he's someone who just loves the 80s and has embraced that decade in so many ways. He has a band called Scott Leftwich and the Atarians. He's the owner of the largest private collection of early arcade games on the east coast of the United States. And in the last year, he opened a 1980s themed Airbnb where you can check in stay in twin beds that it looks just like a 1980s bedroom that you and I remember, and play console games till the cows come home. It is simply amazing to see the pictures of this Airbnb. I cannot wait to bring him on, and this is such a fun treat to have him on the show, because in March of 2022, we are now talking about how to follow your heart and your passion to bring about something new and joyful that you can share with other people. I feel like it's a great time to talk about this after we've had an entire month about liminal space. You can listen to those episodes if you check back in your podcast player or on the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. But I think we're all ready for a little bit more joy and passion as we enter the spring here. Before we get to the conversation with Scott, I want to say hello and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and especially if you're new. um, I'm so glad you found your way to the podcast. Jumpstart Your Joy has been around since 2015, and there are 312 past episodes to tune in if you are looking for more ways to jumpstart your joy. Some really fun conversations like with Matthew Wood, who is the voice of General Grievous, (laughs) Fred LeBlanc, who is the lead singer of the band Cowboy Mouth. And he's coming back, folks. So be sure and head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com and look for those. I'm also really excited to announce that starting in mid-April, I'm going to be launching a podcasting mastermind. I want to gather together a group of people who want to talk about podcasting and work on their podcasts together to kind of up their game as we move through this middle part of 2022. I have had so many great conversations with fellow podcasters and know that sometimes it's hard to find a fellow community, and sometimes without support, it's also easy to get into a rut to slow down in your publishing or just feel uninspired because you don't have anybody else to talk to or get advice from. So if you go to jumpstartyourjoy.com, there will be a section in the middle of that homepage where it says, Join the Mastermind. We'll be kicking off the middle of April, and I would love to have you join us. I already have a couple of really great podcasters signed up along with myself, so go check that out. I'm really excited about today's conversation. Scott Leftwich joins us to talk about his many passions, and of course, passions, and following your passion and building a business around that is the theme of March here in 2022. Scott is a true child of the 80s, somewhat like me, and he is embracing everything that he loves about the music, the classic arcade games, and reliving those magical parts of a childhood that involved, you know, watching E.T. or Back to the Future, some of those movies that we love so much. Scott was featured on The Daily Woo with Adam the Woo. (laughs) It's a YouTube channel, which I will link up to, And you could see all of his amazing arcade games in this video. And I just watched that in total delight. And the thing that I love about this conversation so much is that Scott shares about how he just loves bringing joy to other people. And you'll hear him describe it. But that moment when people walk into the arcade and they are surrounded by the sights and sounds and even the smells of an arcade, that and something that they probably haven't seen in a decade sometimes and that they can share that with their kids or neighbors or their community. It's really bringing together something special, and he is just so honored to be a part of it. I just love everything about this discussion. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Scott.
1: Thanks for having me, Paul.
0: The first question that I like to ask everyone is, what were your earliest sparks of joy? What did you love most as a kid?
1: I guess my earliest memories of things that I loved was probably just music in general. My mom told me, I don't have a memory of this, but my mom told me when I was three, I cried for a record player because I loved music so much. I was obsessed with the radio and I just loved music. I would listen to Top 40. You know, that was probably my earliest memories of just things that I loved. I was just a -a musicaholic.
0: That's amazing. I have a lot of memories around music as well. My dad, he used to have a reel-to-reel recorder, and he and his cousin would send basically the equivalent of mixed tapes to each other across the nation. (laughs) You know, like they had a fake radio show. It was the funniest thing ever, so... I can understand, you know, we spent a lot of hours playing fake drums on the table and all that. Same Um, here.
1: Same here. We used to use brooms as guitar.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And there's something really great about, you know, like a real record player and music that isn't just through an MP3. There's something really good about it.
1: I think so. I love vinyl. And uh, I still (laughs) remember the smell opening the plastic and then opening the record. I remember that new record smell sort of like people remember a new book smell. Yeah, that was good stuff.
0: You, of course, own what seems to be a very amazing private collection of what, 125 arcade games. And the reason I say that there's a tie is I feel like there, you must be able, there's like an electronic smell, right? Around arcade (laughs) games. I feel like there's nothing like it in the world. Yeah. Yes,
1: there is. Sometimes I will walk down into my basement and just take a deep breath because I can smell that smell. They have this smell about them, and it, it's a good smell. But I've been collecting and restoring arcade games uh, for 26 years. You know, in the beginning, well, from 1996 to 2006, nobody wanted this stuff. It was junk. And well, I amassed a lot of things then, and I put them in storage. I kind of slowly, you know, taught myself to work on them, and I have a couple of friends that help out when they can and you know it just became uh, a fascination with bringing these games back to life that had been dead for you know many years that was a fun thing to do now i'll tell you in the beginning i was the neighborhood weirdo because my i remember my in my former home my plumber and electrician uh, and other people would come in and they would just look around and they were just puzzled by this, like, why do you have this stuff? What is, you know, what's the deal? And I felt like I I never had an explanation that would satisfy them. So I just accepted being a weirdo. And now uh, it's become a huge nostalgic thing. Those games inspired a generation of people. And now those people want to share that with their kids and teenagers love it we have lots of teenage regulars that come here they cannot get enough uh, it's just a cycle of joy and fun
0: i imagine we are of about the same age <laughs> and i have a lot of great memories i mean really arcades are such a formative part of probably a lot of gen x and exactly what you said i don't know that my son he's 11 has he played that many arcade games? No. Full disclosure, my husband and I met playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> so we still play games, just different ones. But if you get into a big game like that, it's not its not even the same. Like it, the MMORPGs are so big and so massive that there's something really comforting and simple about something like Space Invaders, where it, you could just lose yourself, but it's right there in the present moment of what's going on in that screen. You don't have to think beyond that screen, which no. is so nice.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I think what we loved about those games and what teenagers love about them now that come here is that they're the ultimate test of hand-eye coordination. And they're just a challenge that you can't really find anywhere else. It's unique and it's fun. They love it. Yeah,
0: yeah, especially like Centipede or Frogger. I feel like those are high (laughs) hand-eye coordination games. But yeah, it does. And you want to just keep going. You know, I just, yeah. You always want a higher score.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The high scores, people are pretty crazy about their high scores here. You know, when somebody's high score goes down, that person learns about it and they just, you know, they have to come back and get their score back. So there's a constant battle here between people. So that's a different fun aspect of it that I didn't really foresee happening in the beginning.
0: Well, and as kind of a business model, that is interesting because then you have people probably coming back because they want to defend their high score and so it keeps feeding on itself because oh, yeah. inevitably they won't always have the high score. right? So for your your arcade part, because of course you have several different things that you do and we love having multi-passionates here on the show, how in the world did you learn to start like working on these? This doesn't seem like a skill set like I personally would have <laughs> to restore an arcade game.
1: I took electronics when I went to college and that helped. You know, you know, it's kind of like working on a car. Once you do it enough, you just get better and better at it. I do have a couple of friends that help out on occasion. What I've learned for the most part, I was just self-taught because there was no YouTube in 1996. So self-taught, you know, just ah, schematics, reading schematics, boring.
0: And are those the printouts of, like, everything that goes on in the game? Yeah,
1: it's like a map, a treasure map of how, you know, how everything works together, how every little control or, you know, where the power flows and what it's supposed to do and all that good stuff. And I'm still learning things constantly, always learning. Yeah. Because there's so many manufacturers and, you know, I have nine games here in which there are less than 10 of known to exist in the world. And, you know, with stuff like that, sometimes you just have to feel your way through it. It's fun and it's always worth it. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't know about. And some of it can be rough on me physically and maybe mentally, too. But it's always worth it when, you know, say a 50 year old man walks through the door and he's 12. Boom, just like that. He looks around and you can see that happen in their eyes you know that smile comes upon their face and they just they're just in heaven they're seeing and hearing things they've not seen and heard in 35 years ish and we've even had instances where people have come in the door and started crying uh, because it's attached to a good memory so Mm -hmm. fun stuff
0: so for listeners the way that i found out about you was through Adam of the daily woo on YouTube. We'll link up to that because it's you guys together. (laughs) It's a great, great. It's my favorite episode. He's done really. And I mean, I sat and watched the episode twice because of that same thing where, I mean, you don't even see that many games together. anymore. I mean, even if you go to like a bowling alley that still has an arcade, nobody has that many games right now. So
1: Yeah. It's a treat. So supposedly (laughs) it's the largest private collection on the East Coast of working Golden Age games. So there's 125 here and counting. I've got more in the works. And it's just always growing. And it's it's a drug. I love it. It's a blast. Well, Adam, the Daily Woo coming in, that was... (laughs) Oh my gosh. There was no planning in that. It happened within just a few hours. A friend of mine told me he was in town. I didn't know he was in town. And, uh, so I reached out to him and he was at my door the next morning. That was, um, something I'll tell you because so the Airbnb I launched about three months ago and you know, we've been trying to get it off the ground. So we reached out to the media and all the local stations covered it. Radio covered it. Uh, Then Yahoo picked it up, and then it went national, and all of that was good, and it started to build. I could see it starting to build. But I'll tell you, when Adam the Woo came here, it was like an atom bomb going off. It has been Mm -hmm. insane since then. We've got people staying from all over the US, Canada, the UK. It's just Mm -hmm. been insane.
0: Well, and he's. He's a fun show to watch. If people, I, I will link up because I really admire what he's doing. His formula recently has been that he's out doing a road trip. He's based in Florida, and he just is doing some sites that people aren't seeing in other channels, which I think is really awesome. But yeah, so let's talk about your Airbnb more because is it up? It's upstairs from the arcade. Is that right? Yes,
1: it's above the arcade. It's eighties. It's an eighties themed bedroom. So. And you can see pictures of it if you look for it on the app or if you go to our website, longlivethe80s.com, there's a direct link to the Airbnb there. But uh, it's 80s themed and so you stay in an 80s themed bedroom and you have access to every game console ever made from the beginning to CD platforms, which is what I collected prior to arcade games which is a whole different story in itself. But you also have, uh, there's a VHS library, so you can watch VHS tape. There's a stereo stocked with vinyl. So it's a real 80s experience.
0: To see pictures of it, it, you have really, you have captured the 80s (laughs) in a way that I think probably most of us can't. Revisit like nothing is so much of a time capsule in such a great and marvelous way. It feels like it's kind of an extension of the experience of the arcade. What brought about the idea of running an Airbnb?
1: It was sort of just organic. My wife and I have stayed at some different Airbnbs across the country, and we were in an Airbnb recently, and you know, I just happened to think, um, "What if?" And so I had this idea, you know, and it it took a very short period of time to put it together because I already had everything because I'm such an 80s enthusiast. So within a matter of just a very few weeks, uh, we had this put together and I launched it. And it is an extension of the arcade. So when you stay at the Airbnb, you get a three-hour block in the arcade, which is the equivalent of a private party because we do private parties too. Uh, So it's basically like a private party, but you spend the night. And like you said, it's an extension of the arcade. And I started opening the arcade about eight years ago. So Wieners and Losers was born in 2014, about eight or so years ago. That was an overnight sensation. I contacted local media to see if they wanted to cover it because I was trying to figure out, well, you know, I got to get people here somehow. I got to get the word out. And one of my local news stations reached out and said, we want to do our morning show live from your basement. And I said, okay, come on over. And uh, so they did, and that was it. It just exploded from there. And believe it or not, eight years ago, there was not a barcade on the East Coast. And uh, for your listeners, if you don't know what a barcade is, it's, it's an arcade that serves alcohol. So it's like a bar and an arcade in one. So that's like a, a pretty popular business model that people are going for these days. So there wasn't any such thing as that eight years ago when wieners and losers happened and uh, man, we just got destroyed by people. We were just they were beating the doors down. And that's been a fantastic thing. I mean, it's just been a roller coaster like you wouldn't believe. But so when the Airbnb happened, you know, it was like starting all over. I was like, okay, well, how do I get? And how do I bring upon awareness to this? So I did pretty much the same thing. And it wasn't an overnight sensation like Winners and Losers was. But I guess this whole Airbnb thing is its a little bit different uh, altogether. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's fun. And now it's taken off. And people love it. It's so fun. It's gr- a great escape for people, especially, you know, 80s kids. Uh, and we've had people send right. their teenagers here to spend the night just to give them that experience. It's just been, it's been incredible. I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I wonder too, because if you launched in 21, it was still pandemic times. So I'm sure that played a part, but I wonder if it also maybe helped because all of us were looking for something that is not our house. <laughs> On a couple trips we were like I just I can't look at my house anymore. <laughs> so, I'm sure there's something even what? Maybe we're all wishing a little bit more for the ease of a time that is not currently available to us, right? Like things seemed easier when we were going to go watch uh Back to the Future, you know, E.T. is not my favorite, but any of those movies were also very comforting during the pandemic. But yeah, I'm sure some of it came back into play big time for us as the 80s kids. I I love talking to people about how they've followed their own passion. And it's so interesting that you reflected on this, that it started out as something where people like didn't get it. (laughs) I think that's probably true for a lot of people where you have this very specific passion and it looks different than anybody else's passion. And so diving in and following it maybe doesn't catch on for a little while. What kind of advice do you have for somebody who's like, yeah, I think I really want to do fill in the blank? What advice do you have for them?
1: Well, if it's something you love, you know, you should just uh, go for it. And some advice that, I've given my young nephews, or will be when I can pound it into their brains, is never rely on other people. You know, if you can figure out how to um, do things yourself, just do it yourself. You know, like in my case, it was working on these games, figuring out how they work, and you know, other things as well. If it's something you're passionate about, just do it. I was taught at an early age to have a fallback plan, and I guess. Nobody wants to hear that, but, you know, you can always have that fallback plan if it doesn't work out. This whole thing with me, I mean, this happened organically. I I can't even explain how it happened to me. People have asked me, you know, if I want to make winners and losers a a standalone business. And I really don't want to because I'm fearful that I'm just killing myself working on these games all the time because it's old technology and it breaks down. So what we do now is just one day a month, we let people come in that want to relive their youth. That seems to work. So we just stay with that format.
0: One of my favorite books is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she talks about creativity a lot. She talks about how she kept a day job for a really long time Because she didn't want to put the pressure on something that she loved to pay the bills. And maybe hearing a little bit of that, you know, it it took a long time for me to get into podcasting at a level where then it could pay the bills. But I'm also like this show itself is more of a passion project than it is. There's no pressure for it. (laughs) You know, and I think that's really leaving it as that makes it even that more special.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you can... Find your niche in this life. You can figure out what you love and what you love to do. You have to do it even if, even if it doesn't pay the bills. Like my whole songwriting career, that did not pay my bills. Uh, that's just something that I do because I love it and it's embedded within me for whatever reason. I just, I can't stop doing it. It's, I don't know why it's like a calling or something, but people who are passionate about Whatever it is, they should just find a way to figure out how to make it happen. Even if they're not making a living at it, uh, you know, you can work and do that on the side. And so that's what I did, you know, and it kept me sane. So it's all about sanity, Paula. You got to stay sane.
0: I fully agree. And I think joy and sanity are very closely related to one another. Like, yeah, I think it's easy to get so wrapped up in whatever the day-to-day is and just feel overwhelmed, or upset, or anxious, or whatever. And I I know that, you know, when I get to talk to someone like you, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I can't help but be delighted by it. So I think if you can find whatever that thing is, it's not going to be the same for everybody. But taking the time to do it, it keeps you functioning in many ways that, yeah, if you just stay heads down, that that's all you're going to get. <laughs> So do you want to talk about your band and your music a little bit? I I love that there's also this other side of you that cuz you know like I said there's been a lot of multi-passionates on the show which just means you don't you have a lot of interests. It's more of a renaissance type of model than the I do this one thing and this is what I decided I was going to do when I was in school and <laughs> never strayed from that path. The last one was a doctor actually <laughs> last episode before this one. How did you form a band, and how do you guys write your music?
1: My current band formed almost 20 years ago in 2003, and a couple of those members were actually in a previous band. As I met musicians through life, I eventually found people who I jailed with, one of which is my brother. Um, so my brother is in this band, and another We're all childhood friends. All the guys went to school, high school together, and I was a couple years older than them, so I wasn't technically in high school with those guys, but I knew them through my brother. So it's kind of like these high school friends who formed a band and it just sort of stuck. I write the music, but the guys will come over and work in the studio as I need them, and so it's still a collaborative Thing We used to tour quite a bit, but I got tired of that. That got old for me for various reasons. And I love creating music. I'm a songwriter. And so I can work in the studio all the time. So I put my own studio together in my house. And so now that's really just what we do. Plus, now uh, everybody has a mortgage. So a few years ago, not all of us had mortgages. So, <laughs> right. so I guess we gotta work and pay those bills. So we've been together about twenty years. It's um sort of a rock slash pop group. Our music's kind of diverse. I like experimenting with different instruments. So I play guitar, piano, harmonica. I might be forgetting something, but but it, it's a good time and it's another one of those hobbies that kept me sane, kept me out of trouble when I was young.
0: I appreciate that there's, there is definitely kind of an 80s sound to your band. I love that it's, but I mean, it's, but it's fresh and new and it's not, it's not just retro. It's, it's also super interesting to know that you love the art of writing the music and performing, presumably, but like the touring was just exhausting or that's not, maybe that's not your word, but like that, that wasn't part of what you loved about it. And so you kind of let that go. I think that's brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, what we, we had this formula where we would tour for six months and then we would work in the studio for six months. And we thought, well, that way we'll never get burned out on one or the other. But, you know, it didn't take me long to realize, well, I can work in the studio all the time um, because I just love creating songs. I love writing. And, uh, you know, the live performance part of it, um, you know, In the beginning, you know, people didn't know who we were. And then as the years went on and we developed a little bit of a a following, I suddenly found myself performing live more than that six months. It would become seven months and then eight months and then nine months. And I was like, gosh, you know, uh, we got to put the brakes on here. But, uh, you know, some of the guys love performing live. A couple of them love it. And a couple of us Got a bit tired of that because it's a lot of work. Yeah. My yeah. gosh, it's a lot of work. I All mean, not right. only, I mean, you're you're managing people's schedules and, you know, you're lugging around this equipment and you're setting it up yourself. You know, because we're an independent band, we do our own thing, our own stuff. It's just uh, a lot of work and you really got to love it. We did love it. We loved doing that when we were a little bit younger, but now it's just, it's a lot more thrilling to create music.
0: I can relate to that. I found during the pandemic that I'm definitely much more of an introvert that likes to do things on my own. I think that's really great. Is there anything else that you would like to share about either your band or the Airbnb or your arcade that you feel like we haven't touched on?
1: I gave you the links to the arcade and the Airbnb, longlivethe80s.com, and there's a direct link to the Airbnb there. The band is Facebook, which that is slash Atarians, so it's Scott Leftwich and the Atarians, and that's A <laughs> T A R I A N S, and uh, of course that was derived from Atari in, in the eighties. If you were in the Atari Fan Club, you were deemed an Atarian, and that's where that came from. That's what the guys chose to be called, and because we're all we all love classic games too. We're around the same age.
0: I think I got just- the Atari Fan Club magazine. <laughs> Still have a couple of those copies, yeah. I love that thing. I think that's cool. What was your favorite Atari game? Yes, we um, had the twenty six hundred, and we also we also had an early PC computer, which was the IBM PC Junior, which was <laughs> really slow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh old. yes. But yeah, what was your what was your favorite early console what was your and favorite? game?
1: Well, we had an Atari 2600. We got one for Christmas in 82. And I remember it came with Pac-Man and Combat. And that Christmas, our dad bought us another game called Phoenix. And that was fun. But shortly after that, he bought us Pitfall. And I think that kind of became my favorite game, at least for a long time. That was a great game.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that was probably our third game as well. We had Combat and Pac-Man. And I think Pitfall might have been our third. And kind of surreal that then one of our family friends... He loved playing Pitfall with us, and then he went on to work for the company that did the reboot of a much later version of it, and he was a graphic artist. It was just like, whoa, this is crazy. I played that game.
1: That is so cool. It's funny how life takes you down those roads, and you Mm -hmm. come full circle sometimes. For sure, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, that was was good times, man. I'm telling you. We had it all in the 80s. We had... Really Saturday did. morning cartoons and uh, great television, great movies. The music was fantastic. I mean, we just man, we had it all. It was great.
0: We really did. Good I hair. This is this has really been so much fun. I really enjoy getting to visit with you about the many things that you do and the stuff that you're. Do- I mean, just wow. Like I kind of want to. I want to get to that arcade someday.
1: I'll bring it back to Adam the Woo again. If uh, you go mm-hmm. watch that video, if you read some of those comments they're just really I guess flattering to me and people come here they say they just can't get enough and I don't know like the community here is just they love it it's incredible it's it just blows my mind I still can't wrap my mind around how good this is and has been so I'm going to keep doing it I'll keep going And I love making people happy. It makes so many people happy. Here we've got all the popular titles, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Space Invaders, Frogger, a lot of uncommon titles, and like I said, nine games in which there's less than 10 of in the world. So it's a 26-year collection, and it's a lot of fun, and it brings back lots of great memories for people. And uh, a lot of people come and who are complete strangers, and they leave knowing each other because people start talking and reminiscing together. Uh, So it brings people together and that makes me very happy.
0: And I'll I'll link up to all this stuff in the show notes for folks so they can come find you or book at the Airbnb or whatever. The last question that I like to ask everyone is, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives?
1: I don't have all the answers, but as far as jumpstarting joy into other people's lives. I have somehow managed to do that. And for the first time in my life, I am making people happy. And it is a high that I can't get enough of. There was a 12-year-old girl that came in here not long ago. And when she left, she hugged me. And she said, I know I'm only 12 years old, but today was the best day of my life. And uh, so I'm jump-starting joy into the life of others. I've somehow managed to do that, and that gives me joy. I don't have the answers to the world's problems, but I can at least say that I've jump-started joy into myself and to other people, not just the community, but you know, I guess now people around the nation. So I take a lot of pride in that, and it's just something I can't put into words. It's just mind-blowing. But I appreciate you having me today, Paul. I really do.
0: Thank you very much for coming on and talking about it and for sharing your passion. I mean, I think that, yeah, you nailed it when you follow what you love and you get to share it with other people. If we're all doing it, that's a pretty amazing outcome. So thank you so much. Scott, thank you so much for joining me here on Jumpstart Your Joy. If you want to find out more about Scott, if you want to book his amazing Airbnb, if you would like to visit his arcade, or if you want to tune into some of his music, I will link up all of those things in the show notes which you can find in your podcasting app especially if you're a a follower of jumpstart your joy just open your app and you'll see the links to those things or you can find out more information over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com where i have the episode notes for this episode and i really encourage you to check out the episode of the daily woo that scott was part of is it was a lot of fun to watch and i just love seeing the reaction and of course if you're a podcaster and you would like to find some community and some support around your show for the next six months, I'm really excited to announce that I am jumping into (laughs) offering a podcasting mastermind. It's gonna be so much fun. I already have a couple of podcasters that have signed up. They are excited and I am excited. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna touch on topics over the next six months about growing your show, about content creation, about tips and tricks for workflow, Project management and how to just get back inspired with your show. Maybe you've fallen into a slump or you just know you do a little bit better with some accountability. I'm excited to offer both. Of course, I've been working in podcasting full time since 2019, and you can look for more information on the website for that, jumpstartyourjoy.com. Next week on the show, I'm going to talk all about how following my own passion for the last, you know, many years. (laughs) has brought me to where I am today and how I think we could all take some inspiration from that. I know that I desperately fought <laughs> doing the thing that I love to do or thinking that I could make money doing it. And so I want to share some of the insights with you about that. It's been a very interesting journey. So you'll get to hear more about that. So I hope you'll come on back for that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.